Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm JP Skalecki. I'm going to be giving you some information about psychopomps for your listening pleasure. This episode is going to be called The Sailing Psychopomp. Traveling from the lands of the living to those of the dead is a perilous ordeal. Many societies of old created stories recalling the fabled journeys of those brave enough to attempt this pilgrimage. And though their outcomes differ, there's one thing that is strangely omnipresent. From the lands far to the east, where gunpowder and paper first arose, to the epic and classical shores of the Mediterranean, to the far north where the gods of thunder and lightning carried their seafaring vikings to glorious battle, and even to the unknown New World, with its mighty forests and rich mineral reserves, there's always been a guide, a ferryman. The trope of a ferryman, guide, or other helping hand to get one from the land of reality to that of death, or sometimes the supernatural, is so pervasive that it has its own word, psychopomp. The psychopomp is usually a guide, typically across a body of water, like a river or ocean, that helps get the souls of the recently deceased to their eternal resting place, or the souls of the living to some other dimension. Psychopomp derives from a Greek word psychopompos, literally translating to guide of souls. And, as mentioned, this idea can be found in almost all ancient mythology. Charon for the Greeks and Romans, and Hermes before him, Anubis for the Egyptian, Salatl for the Aztec, Valkyries for the Norse, or Hibai Wuchang in Chinese mythology. All these deities, major or minor, have a very similar and important role in faring the newly dead and freshly mourned to rest. The different interpretations of this specter of death may give some insight into the character. Charon is often depicted as a gaunt man wrapped in a cloak and carrying a stick. He was responsible for carting the souls of the dead across the river Styx in the Greco-Roman underworld, after they had passed the gates where Cerberus, the massive three-headed dog, and Hades, or Pluto, the lord of the underworld, would sit. Corpses were often buried with coins covering their eyes and or mouth in order to pay his required fare, and it was thought that without this fare, your soul would never reach its resting place. Anubis was another deity who transported souls in a boat, but this time they traveled down a river to the west, the direction of the setting sun. Anubis was a man with the head of a jackal, and he often carried a staff. Anubis would carry you to the land of kings if your body was properly cared for. That meant mummification. Mummification was important in Egyptian mythology, because in the underworld, Thoth, the god of justice in Anubis' company, was said to weigh your heart and other organs against the feather of truth, determining whether or not you lived a life worthy to go to the land of kings. It is said that Anubis had the head of a jackal because improperly buried bodies would often be dug up by the wild dogs, and the Egyptians thought the best way to protect against this was to make their god of jackals safely transport the dead. Salatl was also a dog-headed man, and was responsible for guiding the spirits of the dead as well as the sun through the underworld. He is said to be a more warlike entity, protecting spirits and the sun from the dangers of the dead as they traveled through the underworld. The Valkyries are probably the most different version of a psychopomp on this list. They are winged warrior women, responsible for carrying the souls of some of those that die to the glorious realm of Valhalla. The rest of those are taken by Freya, a sister goddess to the Valkyrie, to the eternal glorious battle in Folkvanger. Hebai Wuchang is actually two Chinese folklore deities who guide the souls of the dead to the underworld. 
Their name means black and white impermanence, and as their name suggests, one is black and one is white. Depending on which you met, your fate would be good or bad. You would be blessed with good fortune and wealth in the afterlife if you met the white counterpart, and poor fortune and a lack of wealth if, if you met the black. These examples are all guides and show the sheer pervasiveness of this trope in mythology. Because of this inescapable prevalence, much of modern literature supplies a character who performs and guides travels impossible to others but mundane to them. In Katsuo Ichigoro's The Buried Giant, we encounter a ferryman responsible for helping men and women sail across choppy waters to an island of solitude and purity. This ferryman seems to remember more than most of the others in the novel, and has made an enemy of a woman separated from her husband. This woman claims to have been deceived by the boatman, claiming that she was separated from her husband unjustly and without courtesy from the ferryman. However, the boatman argues that the woman was simply unworthy to cross over with her husband. You see, in order to cross these choppy waters with your loved one, you had to display an unbreakable bond, and the boatman simply did not see that in the couple. He said he saw in the couple resentment, anger, and even hatred. He claimed that the woman may have just had a fear of loneliness, and nothing more. This particular novel describes the ferryman, called the boatman here, as one of a group who helps assist in the journey to this island. He is gaunt, bald, and tall, clad in a cloak and carrying a stick, which is also a common trope among these psychopomps. Think uh, Venetian gondolas, that's the type of fairy we're talking about, hence the stick. They are often wise, but seemingly apathetic for those they are serving, caring only for the strict rules as to who they are to permit to travel. These figures are often analyzed for their symbolism, and represent the indifference, commonality, and familiarity of death. After all, it takes us all in the end. This boatman seems kind and hospitable, if indifferent, and allows Axel and Beatrice to stay with him and the resentful woman in his dilapidated and overrun house. This house is one of the many clues that we are given that this man is more than he seems. The dilapidated structure where Axel and Beatrice find themselves seems to have once been a Roman villa, which is far removed from the time period that the book is set, and the boatman claims it was where he was once a carefree child, cluing us into his seemingly unaging nature. Ferrymen in other literature are often confused with the trope of the mentor, but I find that the ferryman is much more neutral, and their role in most stories is simply to do their duty, whatever that may mean, regardless of whether or not it helps the protagonist, whereas the mentor does everything in their power to assist and teach the protagonist. Think Obi-Wan versus Han Solo at the beginning of A New Hope. Obi-Wan introduces Luke to the ways of the Force and even brings him to Han Solo, whereas Han is only there for the money and to transport Luke and his droids to Alderaan. The most notable psychopomp of the modern era that most of those listening to this would recognize is the Grim Reaper. He who notifies souls of their imminent departure and takes them, willing or unwilling, to their eternal slumber. Dean Cantu speaks very eloquently about this personification of death and all personifications of death, and our understanding and beliefs about death, in a TED talk entitled Memento Mori, after the Latin phrase that, that means, remember, you must die. He says we try to take the nameless and unimaginable and domesticate it through personification, and I agree. Our societies and all societies learn from a young age to fear death, 
Our gut reaction to the unknown is to fear. This fuels those stories and those depictions. But in the case of the psychopomp, we are given a guide, and even if they are apathetic and unyielding, it domesticates the thought of death into one that can be more easily digested, and one that is less existentially frightening. Whether or not a society believes they should or shouldn't fear death is often influenced and in turn influences these representations. Ferrymen care not whether you fear them. The thing they care about most is transporting you from one realm to another. And in most Western societies, this dedication is met with admiration. Doing your duty is a staple of American ideals, and therefore, these psychopomps are often looked upon favorably. The ferryman and the buried giant is likable and relatable for this exact reason. When the old woman tells her story of woe, and the boatman replies that he was simply doing his job, we feel obligated to side with and believe the boatman. Regardless that we do not know where he would potentially take her, and what the boatman's intentions really may be. It also doesn't help that the old woman is slaughtering rabbits and the boatman's child at home in order to desecrate the land, but even so. As macabre and creepy and strangely interesting as it is to talk about death and its consequences, it's important to remember that these stories are just that. Stories. But it probably wouldn't hurt to have some coins over your eyes in the grave. After all, the ferryman needs his fare. Thank you all for listening. I appreciate uh, those of you that spent the time to, to listen to it. Uh, yeah, that's my that's my podcast. Thank you very much.